Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. A little while ago, uh, the Super Mario Bros. movie came out. Anybody familiar with it, seen it? And, and let me tell you right now, my boys love it. So much so that we went from renting it numerous times to now buying it. Now, I love Mario. I grew up on Mario and Luigi and the original Nintendo. I remember sneaking over to my buddy's house just to play the latest and greatest Mario games. And so when these would happen and my my boys started loving Mario, I would start loving Mario. And and as the father would see the kids, and I'd be like, yeah, my boys like Mario. So of course we go and we see the movie together. We start playing Mario Kart, and then we get into this game known as Mario Party on their Nintendo Switch. Now, I grew up on Mario and Luigi. Like, I thought I had it dialed in. And I start playing with my boys, and guess what starts happening? I start to lose. And I'll be honest with you. I thought, I, I thought like I was an OG, had it all together, like, like my boys, like you're not going to be dad in any kind of Mario game. So we're in the airport, we're on the Switch, this little like six by six inch screen, and we're playing. So of course, dad starts to get a little frustrated, start to get a little annoyed. So I start doing all the dad tactics. I slap him in the back of the head, I pull the hair, I pinch the leg, you know, you name it, I was pulling out. And then they start laughing at me because I can't win. Now, when you have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old publicly humiliating you (laughs) on a very simple game, so it seemed, then things start to get a little dicey. And let's just say I got pretty frustrated and I got pretty humbled because at that moment, I had to lean over to my sons and say, how do I play this game? game. Talk about a little demoralizing, right? You know, have you ever had one of those moments where you think you had it all together, think you knew how to kind of process it, figure it out, come to, to let alone someone else kind of actually show you how it's done, kind of pour into your life, speak into your life? Today, I want to talk to you about this big idea, and it's simply this. If there's one big takeaway you can grab, it's this. Each person we meet has the potential to teach us something. Each person we meet has the potential to teach us something. So right now, I want you to lean over to a neighbor and say, you can teach me something. And maybe you're sitting by yourself. You just say, yeah, I can teach everybody something, right? (laughs) Proverbs puts it this way. The book of literature of wisdom says, instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. I want to put it this way. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you're signing up to be a lifelong learner. You're signing to be up, I'm going to be a constant student. There's never points in life where you feel like you just arrive, where you feel like you just got it all together. And maybe you're in this room saying, hey, I feel like I got it all together. Well, I'm sorry, (laughs) you don't. Hence why you might be sitting by yourself. (laughs) 
We need to always look at our relationships as moments to grab from people and, 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 and conversations and experiences and examples to be someone that can learn from those all around us. We've been in this series called Real Relationships, that when it comes to having authentic relationships, a part of that component, being real and transparent with people is saying, hey, there's something I can learn from you. There's something that I can connect with you over. There's something that I can be a student of and, and pull into my life in which way you pour out. But sometimes we kind of miss that mark, right? Sometimes we aren't people that learn from others. We think we all got it dialed in. Like my life, I'm a I've arrived. And we kind of lean into this moment where it's more of a wrong attitude of learning. It's thinking like, hey, I have this a little bit of an arrogant attitude. When we, when we, when we talk about those moments where people aren't really locking in and, and, and really connecting and really understanding because sometimes we don't learn from people because we're arrogant. You know anybody that's like that a little bit? Maybe you've wrestled with that because you've reached that position of being a boss early on in your life. Maybe you've been like valedictorian in your life. Maybe you've been the smartest person in the room. And so when it comes to meeting people in your relationships and genuinely being authentic with individuals, you kind of struggle because you have a little presence to you where you're saying, hey, I have it all together. What do I need to learn from them? Know anybody like that? And if you don't, that might be you. But then we also have this naive attitude where everything we learn can be from this one specific person. I, I believe this thoroughly. You don't need a mentor. You need mentors. You need numerous people to speak into different areas of your life. But what challenges and puts a lid on our learning from people and our lid in relationships is not viewing our relationships as people we can learn from, but saying, hey, you know what? I'm kind of good as is. But then there's the right kind of attitude we can have when it comes to learning from people. And that's this, simply having a teachable attitude. You know, you say something and Someone listens, you know, you're, you, you, you see people and you value relationships and, and you see that they might be different, they might be less than, they might be less educated, they might be younger, they might not be as skilled, but yet you view your relationships as people that you can learn from. So the question I want to pose to you today is simply this, do you, do I approach people with a desire to learn from them? Do you approach people in your life, your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, strangers on the street and say, hey, what can I maybe learn from them? It's the right kind of attitude to have a teachable attitude. And we're going to come to our story in 2 Kings chapter 5. So I'm going to invite you to join me there. And let me give you a little background to where we are at in our story. Now, in the book of Kings, it's written about, guess what? kings. It's around this, it's this moment where uh, the author would write about two different nations that have divided. They're known as God's people. Now, in the Old Testament, we believe everything points to this individual by the name of Jesus. 
So when we look at this, we always have to draw out, hey, how is this parallel? How does this connect with Jesus? How do I see Christ in this story? So we see there's these two different kingdoms. It's Israel to the north and it's Judah to the south. And 2 Kings is typically about all these different kings of God's people that made some big mistakes. We see a few exceptions. We see guys like Hezekiah who had kind of a heart transformation. We see down south this man by the name of Josiah who led God's people to reform. And we see these different moments of glimpses of glory of God's people, but really and truthfully speaking, there's a lot of mistakes that were made. So we're going to come to this story, this man by the name of Naaman, who is a phenomenal leader, incredible, and he teaches us through his story a thing or two about learning from others. So how to learn from others simply begins with this. We need to have a desire to learn. You need to have a discipline to learn. It's never that moment of arrival. It's never that I've got it all figured out. It's saying, God, I need help. I need a desire to learn from people. So chapter five, verse one of the book of 2 Kings. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. I'm gonna pause right there. Israel at this time, because they didn't listen to God, routinely got conquered by different foreign nations. Aram being one of them. So because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories, but through Naaman was a mighty warrior. He suffered from leprosy. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. So let's unpack that a little bit. Naaman, this king of, or or the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander. Now, Naaman had this this stellar history, stellar account, stellar resume, but yet he had something that was pretty tragic in his life, a problem in his life. Now, I believe this, that the reason that Naaman was such a victorious leader in the Armenian army was because he had this desire and discipline to listen. But here, this is what we have to capture and understand, that he had power, he had prestige, he had popularity, he had a presence, yet he had a problem, leprosy. Anytime we come and we look at this word leprosy, this skin disease that's found throughout scripture, when Jesus encountered leprosy from the lepers, he doesn't say go and be healed, he says go and be cleansed. Leprosy is this parallel through scripture where we see that it's this sin that's real and transparent in life that needs to be addressed. So when we discover leprosy in the Old Testament, it's saying, hey, there's some issues taking place. How does it need to get addressed? When we fast forward to Jesus, Jesus would navigate and speak into people with leprosy and heal them and address them saying, hey, get rid of your sin and be made clean by Jesus' blood, by what he's done. So we see this man by the name of Naaman struggling with an issue, going through some things and needed to get it resolved, which leads us to this, we have to turn our problem points into learning points. What made Naaman such a great leader was his desire to learn. He had this desire, this uncanny, this discipline to say, hey, I have a problem, how do I get it resolved? 
A lot of times problems can do a couple things to us. They can make us closed off. We have a problem, we want to avoid it. We have a problem, we want to run away from it. We have a problem, we want to actually push that on somebody else. But what's Naaman do? He leans in and he says, hey, I need to handle my problem. I'm going to encourage you right now, if you're going through a problem or a situation or some kind of uh, catastrophe in life, don't make it a problem to run from, but make it a problem to learn from. Lean in. Hey, what's God teaching me in this moment? What do I need to apply in my life? What do I need to figure out, sort through? So then we see this man who has this discipline to learn. Verse 2 continues. At this time, the Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among them captives was this young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl of Israel, from Israel had said. And he goes, go and visit the prophet. I want us to understand that and capture that. This young servant girl, considered property, no voice, who does Naaman go and listen to? Her. You see, it goes, it goes servant girl to the wife and to Naaman. Gentlemen, one point we can pull out is this. Some of the, the most people speaking truth to us, the realness that we need to receive are our wives. We need to listen to the people that God puts around us. Your spouse, the people that are, are, are around us, that God's gifted you with. Many times, some of the people that we want to kind of say, I'm not going to learn from you, are the people closest to us. And those people closest to us are speaking some of the most real truth that we need to glean to and lean into. So this, this young girl, property, a captive, says, hey, I have a solution. Naaman doesn't retract, doesn't retreat. He says, let me listen to that solution. Let me lean in. Let me have a desire to learn. So we see as Naaman leans in, he, he then goes to the king. Now, you have to kind of put this whole scene in perspective. He, he goes up to this prestigious king in all of the land and says, hey, so this young girl told me that I can be healed if I go see this, this God we don't believe in. Kind of mind-blowing. But that kind of tells you the popular, popularity, the power, and the prestige that Naaman had. Because what's the king say? He says, hey, you go. Go and see the prophet. Naaman was always willing and waiting to learn. He had discipline to learn. He learned from an unlikely source, from an unlikely person, and yet he saw the potential there. You might be having some problems right now, some things going through in life. Maybe you're short on bills. Maybe saying, hey, you know what? I'm just going to swipe the credit card. Maybe you need to lean in to say, why am I short on bills? Maybe you're not really getting along with your boss right now, and there's some tension there, and there's some friction. Rather than saying, hey, my boss is the issue, or the employee is the issue, maybe you lean in and say, hey, maybe I'm catching them at wrong rhythms. Maybe there's some things that's been said. Maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to be had. And we turn those problem points into learning points. So if you want to learn from people, it comes with having this desire, a discipline to learn from people. 
The great and late philosopher Plato says this, when the pupil is ready, the teacher will appear. Capture that. When the pupil is ready, when we're ready, the teacher will appear. We also see this when it comes to how we learn from people. We need to develop relationships with growth potential. It's very easy to get complacent with the people around us that are just like friends. And how are you friends? I don't really know. We just like happened. I'm telling you right now, you need to be intentional about the people you stack and put around in your circle in your life. You need to have the right people in your life that pour into your life. And it takes some work to have those people in life. I read this one study by the Harvard Business Review. They said this, they studied uh, Fortune 500 companies. They said, if you sit within 25 people of a very proficient and efficient coworker, your productivity goes up by 15%. You don't get smarter, you don't get uh, more knowledgeable, your productivity goes up 15% by being around people that are better in work. I'm like, hey, dude, I got to rearrange my offices. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) On the flip side, if you're within 25 people or 25 feet of people who are maybe less than, not producing much, a little weaker than, and, and maybe just kind of that coworker that shows up and punches the clock, your productivity decreases by 30%. So when in other words, you need to be intentional about who you, who you stack around you in your life. In 2 Kings, verse 5, we continue. So it says, go and visit the prophet. And the king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. Let's pause there. Who are they going to see now? The king. They didn't quite understand they're supposed to go see the prophet. They go see the king. It's political. It's personal. So we see in verse 6, or, and so Naaman started, Naaman started out carrying as the gift 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter of the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman, and I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, am I God that I can give life and take it away? In verse 7, as we continue on, and why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. So we have the conquering power coming in and saying, hey, heal this man. It's kind of mesmerizing, and, and Naaman shows up to the king and, and kind of missing the, the mark. The point that we need to be very intentional about receiving when we're looking at this passage is this. We need to be intentional about our growth relationships. We need to be very intentional about who we put in our corner, who we are around, the people that can speak into our life, cheer us on in life. In verse 8, we see this. But Elisha, this prophet, this man of God that the servant girl was telling about, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay. And he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and we will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. Some things needed to be understood. You have to show up to the right person's doorstep in order to experience what God has in store. 
There's been moments in my life where I kind of chalked it up to, to three areas that are big buckets in my life that I really need people to speak into and pour into. And maybe you can relate to this. First, it's my family life. My marriage and my children, that's what I put into this bucket. I want to have a good marriage. I want to have a good family life. I need to find couples and people and family around me that exhibit that. That's why we're saying, hey, you can always learn from the younger generation. You can learn from the older generation. We celebrate here at Faith. We are a multi-generational church. We're not this church that just wants to be young. We're not this church that just wants to be old. We're not this church that's just as easy going. We want people from the grandbabies all the way up to, you know, you're a seasoned saint and you're still celebrating God's giving you life right now. And you've got a lot of wisdom in this place that needs to be invested and poured back into people. And if you're younger in this place, you need to have more of an open hand, open palm to say, what can I learn so I don't make those mistakes? You need to be intentional about that. So at family life, I stack my bucket with people who, hey, I'm having some issues with my kids. My marriage has been through some problems. What would you do? Because you've been married for 50 years. And they're like, oh, yeah. And then they pour in. But then there's also the profession. When we talked about mentors and, and just having a mentor isn't sufficient enough. You need people to speak broadly into your life. Maybe it's your profession. Someone stellar at business. Maybe you need to say, hey, how can you speak into my life? There's pastors that I reach out to. I will cold call pastors and say, hey, I'm a pastor. I live in Southwest Florida. Uh, what, what's some advice that you can give me? Can I set up a meeting? Can I pick your brain? I want to know what you know. And then we also see that you need people in your life to speak into your faith journey. You need spiritual mentors in your life. You need to be intentional about that. You need people that can, that can say, hey, you're going through this issue. You're struggling with some things. Let me, let me talk to you a little bit about that. Proverbs 13, 20 says this. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with the fools and get in trouble. You got to be intentional about that. People want to share their story pool and, and give their, their life story to you and life lessons to you. Own that and receive that. We also see this. When it comes to learning from people, we need to drop the pride. I need to drop the pride. It's ironic, okay? I'm going to kind of go into some water here. It's ironic that we now in this world, in this nation, have a society that celebrates Pride Month, Okay? When everything that God creates, Satan counterfeits. So God intends us to be people of humility. Now we see in culture and society where you got to be people of pride. You see how that's kind of like twisted? You see how it's kind of like messed up where, where everything is kind of saying, hey, you know what? When it comes to following Jesus, it's first saying, I'm going to die to myself. When somebody says, hey, I got to pick up my own cross, I got to follow Jesus, I got to understand what Jesus has done in my life. It's very humbling. But then we come over to your culture and it's saying, hey, you got to have a lot of pride, be you, stay what's true, you know, like you define your reality. And no, 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 that's opposite of the gospel, that's opposite of scripture. Matthew 23, verse 11 says, the greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. But Elijah sent this messenger to him, 
with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River and your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. So he has his answer. But check this out. We continue in verse 11. But Naaman became angrily and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out and heal me, he said. I accepted him. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the, the, the Abana and the Parfar, uh, or Farpar, excuse me, better than the the, any river here in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned at the moment of being healed and he went away in a rage. He had a lot of pride that welled up in him. He had a lot of pride. He said, I'm not going to learn from you right now. I'm, 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 I'm mad because you didn't give me the answer I wanted. Understand that a lot of our pride, we've got to be willing to drop the answers we want in order to understand the answers we need. He couldn't hear, you can be healed. But no, he had a different perspective. See, our pride can get in the way for us seeing and acknowledging those around us. James chapter 4, verse 6 says this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You ever had moments in your life where you've been humbled? Man, I love to golf. I talk about sports a lot. I'm a sports guy. Cincinnati Reds, we just lost our 12-game uh, winning streak. I know it's like, like I contributed to that. No, I didn't. Um, but I love to golf. Like I'll golf at Babcock Ranch with some of my uh, uh, friends, and, and I'll golf with some guys who have some age on me. And uh, I'll get up there, I'll feel good about the hole, and, and I'll strap it down the fairway. I'll be like, yeah, beat that. Like, woo! And I'm walking back, putting the club in back of my bag. And then these guys who are retired get out there and hit it past my ball. It's a very humbling moment when I wish I was out driving them. But then the question goes, how do I hit like that, right? The point that I'm trying to illustrate is if you want to learn from people in your life who are close in your life, who are around you in your life, you have to be saying, hey, I'm going to drop my pride in life. I'm going to be humble throughout life. And then we also see this when it comes to the story of Naaman. If you want to learn from others, you need to deepen relationships with questions. Deepen relationships with questions. You can tell a lot about a person, how well they ask questions, and how well, how well they receive questions. Some people, if you ask a question, they become highly offended. Maybe you're someone in this place, someone asks you a question, you become highly offended. Here's what I want us to, uh, to capture when it comes to the story of Naaman, that he was this wired up, wise leader, this man with, with a great presence, popularity, prestige. He desired to learn. He missed it at times, but God showed him favor. But he created a culture around him of people who were sharp, who had intentionality, who helped him grow. And this is what happens when his close comrades around him. He says this in verse 13, but his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? 
So should you certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash and be cured? So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him and his skin became healthy and as the skin of a young child and he was healed. The detail I love in that story is this. He had this place, this position with people closest to him willing to ask questions, willing to maybe challenge him, willing to speak into his life, and yet he was a leader. He was the second in command of a very powerful force. And yet he learned and he saw that people around him not equal to him, less than him, spoke into his life. From the young girl, to Elisha's assistant, to now his sergeants that served him, his captains that served him, he learned from people. See, my friends, when we look at the story of Naaman, many times we emphasize the healing that occurred, but the healing wouldn't have happened if Naaman wasn't willing to to listen to the the how and listen to those around him. So my hope for you right now is this, that God's moving in your life, that God's speaking to one of you right now. Maybe you need to receive this, that you listen to what we talk about today, that when we talk about this, this healing, this restoration that occurred in Naaman's life, because of Jesus. The Old Testament, the story points to this, this man by the name of Jesus who's come into, each, come into this world for each and every one of us to give up his life, go to the cross, to endure the, most, uh, the worst beating that anybody has ever encountered anybody's ever gone through. That's why we received communion together, to to remember just what Jesus has done, how he's given up his body and how he's made a promised covenant to us. So my hope for you is this, that that you're learning what we're talking about, that it begins, that restoration, that healing, that fulfillment is found in Jesus. Naaman, at the end of the story, goes back to Elisha and he says, hey, I want to give you all the gifts. I want to give you everything that I brought with me, like I was supposed to give the king. I want to give it to you. Elisha says, I don't want any of that. Nope. Nope. And then Naaman goes, well, can I at least take the dirt so I can just praise the only God of all the land? Elisha's like, sure, you can take the dirt, but it's not the dirt. It's God. It's God that restored you. From that moment on, Naaman was a man of God. That healing and restoration. You might be in here right now needing healing and restoration. Maybe you need to start listening to some people around you. Maybe you receive this message today and you start a faith journey with Jesus. That's my hope for you right now. So I want us to capture this and leave you with this final thought is this. We are people who learn from others. We don't have it all together. We make mistakes. There's some issues. We have some baggage. A lot of us have a story or two to tell you and are still going through some things. But today we make a commitment because we value our relationships that we're going to be people that learn from others. I want to be someone that learns 
from the story of Naaman so I can leave here better than the way I came in. With that being said, I'm going to ask each of us to bow your head. Lord, we give you this moment. You see those in this place right now, Lord, we're praying that you work on their heart, that you guide them and that you lead them and help them to become someone that, that hears this message, Lord, of your goodness, of your greatness, of your salvation and your work through your son, Jesus. Lord, right now, we want to be people who are authentic with our relationships, and it comes to listening, Lord. It comes to receiving people. It comes from understanding, Lord, and we see so many lives in this place who have been transformed by your name. Lord, may we be people that receive those individuals, understand the stories of those individuals, so that we can grow in our relationship with you. Lord, we're calling out to you right now in this moment through our prayer, through our worship, through our praise that you help us to be people who learn from others, that value relationships. So be with those individuals who are looking for the most authentic, most real relationship and that begins with you and accepting your son Jesus as the Lord and leader and savior of their lives. And then encourage those in this place that need to have a teachable attitude because we're called to be lifelong learners. God, we give you today and the days to come in your great and holy name. We all say, amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.